career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? Divorce is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. Kids are gone. Now what? I'll never find love. Why can't I be like the other guys? Hey guys, gay, straight, and everything in between. It's time to get a grip. Stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40 plus life. Let's get to the show with your Tell It Like It Is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick, unless you act like one first. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of 40 Plus Real Men Real Talk, where we talk about all those things that us 40 plus guys either do or don't want to talk about. And every time I'm looking for a guest, I try to find someone that is doing something that a lot of us 40 plus guys struggle with. And today's guest is a guy that I hooked up with, not literally. Um, hooked up with through a course um, that we were both doing to improve our speaking businesses. And then next thing I knew, we are actually working together in this course with Grant Baldwin's Booked and Paid to Speak. And we have had so much fun getting to know each other. And then suddenly he did this Houdini trick of, hey, I'm going to just do this speaking thing full time. And I wanted to bring Eric Ream onto the podcast to talk about these big transitions we go through. Because I know a lot of you guys listening are like, I'm ready to jump ship. I want to get out of here. And but I'm afraid. I'm really afraid to do this. And I know that Eric went through some of that. And that's why I wanted to bring you on to 40 plus real men real talk to talk about jumping ship and going and building your own thing. So welcome to the podcast, man. Excited to have you here. Hey, Rick. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I've really gotten, gotten to know you the last few months. It's been my pleasure. Uh, I love your life journey. I love your mission and what you're doing here. So I'm just honored to be a part of it. Thanks, man. Hey, you're welcome. And I'm excited because this was a huge thing for you. I and mean, I know it wasn't just like, okay, I'm just going to leave my job. This mm -hmm. was like a, a journey. There wasn't just like a couple of years. There was a few years involved in getting to this space, right? Oh, yeah. 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 So I come from a uh, military background, right? So when I, uh, I, I went to the United States Military Academy, uh, they recruited me to run cross country and track for them. So I went there to run. And then while I was there, figured out I was also going to be a, an officer in the United States military. Found myself in Bosnia-Herzegovina back in the, the mid 90s. Got out of there, started uh, working in the utility business because of a girl. Um, you know, you, we do funny things in the name of love, right? So yep, I was yep. pursuing this girl. And so I got into utility business doing that. And we found ourselves married, uh, still working utility business. And this was in my thirties. And I think the thirties is, you know, in your twenties is when you act crazy and get out of your system, right? And in your thirties, right. you're trying to figure out life. And so I was really frustrated in my thirties, Rick. I was really trying to figure out what I wanted to accomplish. I had a lot of passion, but no guidance. I was hard to be around, you know, quick, to temper. Uh, my wife really struggled with me in the beginning. And then as I got in my 40s, I started to you know, calm down a little bit and started to figure out what my path was. And I got to my mid 40s and realized, you know what, um, I'm gonna have to start making some decisions because mm -hmm. time goes by fast. When I met my wife at 28, it was a blink of an eye and I had three kids and was 46. So I know it's gonna be another blink of an eye and I'll be 66. And I don't want to look right. back on my life and realize I should have made some better decisions. I should have jumped when I wanted to. So I, I figured out, okay, if I want to make the jump, now's the time to do it. So 46 years old, I left my full-time job and became a professional speaker. That's pretty cool. But here's something you brought up that I want to make sure we kind of go back and touch on because I've heard this many times with the guys that I work with in my coaching practice and then just guys that I hang out with. It's this interesting thing about what starts to happen in our 30s. And it's it's like, okay, we got it kind of, okay, I'm generalizing here. We kind of got it going on. The career's moving good. 
But that first little inkling of, I'm not really happy is usually when it first starts to really tickle us. It's like, okay, is this all there is? It's like those thoughts begin to surface in our thirties, even though we're letting the craziness of our twenties go. The thirties, at least for me was when everything started to stir up. And of course that's when I also came out of the closet, but it was also when I'm like, I don't like this career, but Hey, I kind of got to do it. Got to pay the bills, got to make it happen. And then in my forties was when I started really swallowing the pill of, I don't actually have to do this, but I couldn't swallow it completely because I'd gotten so used to, this is kind of what I have to do. And it sounds like that's the same thing that happened for you. It's like, mm, I'm kind of here, but gosh, I really want to do something else. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think uh, what happens is we build momentum uh, in our lives. And sometimes that momentum is not necessarily good momentum and it's hard to stop that momentum and change directions. And so yeah. in the twenties, you know, life was good, man. I was having a good time. I was, a, I was in the military out in Europe. I was a military policeman by day. I was a DJ at night, mm -hmm. uh, hanging out and meeting, meeting all kinds of great folks and enjoying myself. And then suddenly at 30, I was married, had kids, and all that momentum as a single guy was still with me. And it took me a while to slow that momentum down and to change it into the direction of being a family man. Mm -hmm. And I went down this path of utility business just because it was paying the bills. And I built this momentum in this utility career that once I realized, ah, this is where I want to go, I'm climbing up the wrong ladder here. Mm -hmm. It took me a while to slow that momentum down, to shift it to where I wanted to go. And slowing that momentum down was a lot harder in my 30s because I had a wife and kids that were involved. And when you slow your momentum down, it can get ugly, it can get messy. And when you got relationships involved, that's where I think, at least for me, I can't speak for other guys, that's where a lot of baggage and, and scar tissue started to develop because I was hurting other people as I was trying to slow the momentum down and shift. And so it was easy in my 20s because I was by myself. Uh, it was hard in my 30s because my wife and kids were affected by it. Absolutely. And those bigger decisions, you know, even as I went through my own decisions about coming out, it's the same thing. There was too much baggage there. There was too many potential scars that were going to happen by doing this. Yeah, in order for me to go do it, I knew from my happiness and my sanity and everything else, some of that was going to have to be the collateral damage. And yeah. yet being able to pick up the collateral damage and go, okay, now let me help fix this, even though I caused this damage. And I think a lot of guys get stuck in this thing where they can see what's going to happen or they assume what's going to happen. And they let that hold them hostage, you know, kind of to my whole, you know, business motto of no fears, no excuses, no apologies. The excuses and the fears hold them into that space. And then they're suddenly stuck there. Yet, if you take the time, which is, I've kind of witnessed this with Eric, so I've, I've kind of watched what's happened for him over the last three years that we've known each other, where you take the time and go, okay, let's make some calculated strategic moves and take the direction and also keep your vision alive. I think that's part of it. You got to keep the vision alive, even when it's hard and even when you're like, okay, I'm going to yank the rug out and yeah, we're not going to have company provided health insurance and stuff like that. As long as you're putting the calculated steps in place and moving the momentum forward without losing your vision, I think most people can make these big decisions to like leave the corporate world, go do my own thing. So I'm curious, what were some of the big, biggest fears you had about literally stepping away? Uh, probably one of the biggest fears I had, Rick, was uh, that I had a family of five and we're a single income family. And that is a guy. Uh, it's our number one primary responsibility to take care of the kids, to take care of the family. 
And to me, my ultimate fear, well, there was two fears. One was that I couldn't take care of my family. And the other one is that I would not be relevant. It's important mm-hmm. for me to be relevant. I just want to be relevant as a guy. I want to be relevant in my community, be relevant amongst my friends, be relevant in my own, own mind. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was afraid if I stepped out and I bombed, then suddenly, you know, worst case scenario in my head, my kids wouldn't be able to uh, live and eat indoors like Grant likes to say. I wouldn't be able to clothe them. I wouldn't be able to get them the cool things that all their friends are getting. So that was a huge one for me. The other one was, I, you know, I didn't want to disappoint my wife because, you know, I disappointed her a few times early in our marriage just because I had a hard time shaking that single lifestyle and becoming a married guy. And so mm-hmm. I let her down in the beginning and I didn't want to disappoint her again by her leaving her job, jumping on board with me and I can't deliver. So right. that was probably my big fears. I didn't want to let down my family. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you bring up this relevancy um, piece because a few episodes ago, I did a show with a, a female counterpart. Her name's Jackie McDougal and her and I <laughs> ran across each other through some social media connections. And so she actually has a podcast called 40 thrive, which is for women. And then when we connected, we decided to do a show together where we asked our um, individual listeners and people in our communities and stuff, three questions. And what a, one of the questions was, what do you know, you as a woman, what do you most fear about getting older? And then of course I asked the guys the same question and this relevancy thing showed up a huge amount in both sides of the equation and, and different in different ways, what, you know, defining what relevancy meant. And I know as I went through the thought process clear back in 2006 of going out there and being on my own, I had been a vice president of a software company in marketing. And so my ego was in the way mm-hmm. because I needed that. And I'm a Leo. So of course I need the spotlight, but it was that adulation that kind of got in there. I'm like, okay, well, how am I going to feel relevant when it's just me and my four walls in my home office? And I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine who had basically done the same thing. And she said, I was so scared of never feeling relevant again until I realized that every time the phone rang or somebody hired me as their coach or I got to go do a podcast or I got to write an article or I got called to speak on a stage, that was how I was now going to feel relevant. It wasn't the showing up. It wasn't getting the bonus checks. It wasn't all this other stuff. And she said, the more that I leaned into my relevancy was really about how I was helping other people. It wasn't about everything else. The simpler it became. And that was a big t- turn for me. It's like, mm. this is all about me giving and helping others. And each time I have somebody turn that corner, of course, now doing what I do in the speaker lab with coaching a lot of these people, every time I see somebody light up and uh, they land on their idea or they, they really see their potential, there's my relevance. There's where I shine. And I know you see this oftentimes in your own speaking that this is where we replace some of the relevance we needed to feel in a corporate environment with other things. So I'm curious because I had these same conversations with my family. How much of what you felt about letting down your family and everything has yet come true? None of it. It's been just the opposite, actually. And, and that, that's part of what Stephen Pressfield talks about in his book, The War of Art. Mm-hmm. When it, whenever you uh, lean into something, especially that you were meant to do, um, there is a part of the universe when, you know, whatever you, however you want to, you know, identify it, but there is a part of the universe that pushes back. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is the talk in your head. 
And yep. so we create these scenarios that are just unrealistic and unfounded um, that the, the, all this stuff is going to happen. And that, and that's the resistance. And so a lot of these things that happened, I thought I was going to let my family down, never came to pass mainly because I'll tell you what was important to me, Rick, was I surrounded myself with really good guys. Mm-hmm. And when you have clarity on guys that support you, um, they can actually shine light on your relevance that you didn't even realize you had. Right. You know, you and I, you and I even had this conversation as you yep. go through some things and work through things. Sometimes it's good to hear another guy that you respect or maybe you, you confound in that will tell you, Hey, you know, you're right on the right path, man. Here's what I see. Mm-hmm. Like what I see with you, for instance, you're a fantastic coach. I mean, yep. you are, that's your sweet spot. And when you're coaching people, I mean, your voice sings and that's what mm-hmm. you were meant to do. And yep. sometimes it's good to have close people like that in your life. That's not your family that's on the outside looking in with not a lot of skin in the game, but care about yep. you that says, Hey, you are relevant. Here are some, here are some things that I see. It's mm-hmm. important to have people like that in your life. And so I've surrounded myself with really good guys. And before I stepped off on my own, I, I checked with each one of them to make sure I was mm-hmm. making a good decision. And each one of them gave me the thumbs up and they gave me the the confidence to do it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because you and I have had those conversations. And then just in the last couple of weeks, I've been having a lot of those conversations. And and before we came on and started recording this, I told Eric that I was getting ready to leave for a mastermind um, retreat. And I don't usually invest a lot in those things, but I felt like this is the time for me to get away. I don't know any of these people in this mastermind retreat. And it's for me to like hear it from somebody else in a different way. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to change my trajectory right now, but I think it's really important to listen to somebody outside of you that, as you said, Eric, doesn't, they they have nothing invested in this other than friendship or support, but the outcome, they don't have any, they don't have any skin in the game for this. And it really helps to have those people. And I've had three conversations this week with different people, all of them that are somebody I'm acquainted with, but each one of them basically said what you just said that, you know, I, I'm on the right path, just go, go do this and find that sweet spot. And I know as I've shifted throughout my entrepreneurial experience, I think what happens for most of us, especially us guys, is we have this definition of here's who we are in our career, even though we keep climbing ladders that we see this trajectory and then suddenly when we take the trajectory of I'm going to leave and go do my own thing, we have this, okay, this is what it's going to look like. And we get so convinced that this is what it's going to look like that that's when the universe is going to push back. And every time you get the pushback, it's like, "Mm, no, that's not quite where you're supposed to be going. And if we fight that pushback, then that's when we fail. But it's Mm -hmm. when we lean into that pushback and go, okay, what is it I'm supposed to see? Mm-hmm. that actually the magic starts to show up and we get the different direction. Mm-hmm. Have you had any experiences where you felt that pushback and you're like, Oh, okay, let's, let's redirect. I'm actually supposed to be going this way. Yeah. Well, I, I, I look at when I get pushback, um, that that's a sign that I'm on the right path. I may need to make some alterations along the way. Yep. But if you think about, uh, you know, I come from a military background, Rick. So I look at everything as, you know, good versus evil. I mean, I I was just trained that way. And so if you're doing something against the enemy and you're doing something that's irrelevant and doesn't, and doesn't uh, cause any issue with them, they're not going to mess with you. Right. But if you're going down a path that could, could actually harm them or go against them, then they're going to push back because they don't want you to move in that direction. Yep. And so when I start getting pushback in a way, it's just the opposite. Like you said, lean into it that, okay, that's a signal that I'm doing something that's actually stirring something up. 
which mm-hmm. means I might be on the right path. Yep. Uh, now, I, I just come from a background where I believe that there's a, there's a, a light and a dark. I, I just mm-hmm. come from that, that. And I think there's all different versions of that. And so I think we all have uh, something that we were meant to do. Like it's yep. obvious to me, you were meant to coach. Yep. And so if you're doing what you're meant to do, there are things out there that don't want you to do what you're meant to do. Because mm-hmm. if you're doing what you're meant to do, you're going to impact others. Like this podcast is impacting yep. people. It's going to move the needle. And so that's when things start to occur. So when I have that happen, then that's when I go to the people that I respect and say, okay, tell me, show me what I'm, what I'm missing here. And then mm-hmm. that's when they give me the feedback that I need to help me push through that resistance or make any alter alterations I need to make. Yeah. So I'd like to just, I'm going to dive into this resistance because Eric's been a part of this, but I think this would be really good to kind of share how this has unfolded. And then I'll have you kind of maybe expand on it too. But for me as a speaker, I, I love being on stage. Okay. So again, I'm a big old Leo. So yes, I need the spotlight, but, and sometimes I need it bigger than it needs to be. But, um, what I've always had some resistance to is going into this corporate type environment and being that guy. Cause I'm like, Oh, that means I gotta, you know, I gotta have a sports coat on and all this sort of stuff. And then a few years ago I met Scott Stratton and any of you guys who don't know who he is, which probably is most of you just Google Scott Stratton. He's a crazy dude. And I got to know him and he goes and he speaks on stages in some of the biggest corporate environments. He's got a ZZ top beard. He's got a man bun. He dresses in all black. Usually he's got his black combat boots on. And that was the first time I'm like, wait, if this guy can be doing this, I can. Mm -hmm. But even then I still had the resistance. And it wasn't until just recently, like in the last couple of months, as some things showed up in my business working in the wine industry, that I realized, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be going back in and talking to businesses. This is, these are my people. These are the people that I can walk in in a pair of jeans and a flannel shirt or, you know, a pair of jeans and a nice shirt and talk to these wine owners and there's small staffs of 10 or 20 or whatever it may be. And I fit right in and it's, you know, yes, if I'm going to go to a gala or some of the bigger ones, yeah, I probably need to dress up a little bit more, but those aren't my people. The ones that I want to be talking to are these small wineries that are like, you know, 20 to 50 employees at the most where they're just, they're kind of not mom and pops, but it kind of started as the family business and they've grown. And that's when everything shifted for me. I know that's exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm not even keynoting with these. I'm in there doing workshops and facilitation and that sort of stuff. And that aligns exactly with how you said and coaching. Those are my sweet spots. And guys, as you're listening to this, I know that Eric's sweet spot is he is amazing on stage doing those keynotes, doing those bigger workshops. And if he wasn't leaning into that, you would probably be miserable would be my guess. Oh yeah. I've been there. Yeah. At 46 years old. We all know what misery feels like. Well, you know, try 56. It's even worse. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing about you, Rick is uh, before you discovered this aha moment about the wineries, I'm sure you were experiencing extreme frustration up to yep. that point yep. because uh, you were about to have an aha moment and yep. usually your greatest frustrations happen right before that aha moment. Now the yep. sad thing is many guys will stop and quit before that aha yep. moment and they'll never experience it. Mm-hmm. And it's about jumping in, in that aha moment. Right. And, and the irony guys to this whole thing. And the reason I'm sharing it is because my background, my original, my degree and everything was in hospitality and I walked away from it back in 2006, because I was like, I'm done. But it's so interesting that I'm lit up 
going back into it in this way. A, I love wine. I love the industry. I love being around these people. I happen to live in a space where there's beautiful small wineries all around me. And I really have connected. And it's so ironic. If somebody had told me two years ago when I moved here that this would end up kind of being the path I would take, I would have told them they were absolutely crazy. But it's so interesting when you allow the things to show up. I coach with Grant. I do tons of that coaching. I have my own coaching clients. I'm doing my own books. But how here's this thing that I'm doing back in an industry that I actually really love, but I'm doing it in a different way than when I hated it 20 years ago. Yeah. So I think this is, these are these interesting things that the universe hands you this stuff. And I've watched this happen for you too. As you mm -hmm. grew your business over the last three years, you just kept honing in and honing in and honing in to what it is you most enjoy doing. Yeah. And the ironic thing is, is the utility business that pays me the most for my speaking. Uh, and I wanted to get away from the utility business, but yeah. I came back to the utility business as a speaker and I speak at some of their biggest conferences on a speaking stage yep. to an industry that I understand. So it doesn't yep. necessarily mean I need to get away from the utility industry. I needed to do it in a different way. Exactly. And I think yeah. that's what most people do. In fact, in the last week working through the grants program and coaching people, I have had more of those conversations of bringing people back to, well, why don't you go lean into what you know, but just lean into it in a different way. And the reason I know that works is because of my own personal experience that is happening right now. It's because I'm going through it myself. And the interesting thing guys that are listening to this is if you realize you're going to come up to something you really want to go do, but you may have to just approach it in a different way. It may be very similar to what you're doing right now, but you're going to come at it from a completely different angle and never ever underestimate all the talent that you have, all the things that you've learned along the way that you could actually take and remold into this thing you say you want to go do. I think that's where a lot of people make the mistake of, I'm going to go do something completely new and different, which is great. But if it's so new and different and so outside the ballpark, there's probably a pretty high possibility you might fail mm. instead of linking it in some way to all the talent that you have. And I think that's the difference. Some Rick, I noticed too, when I started uh, meeting some of uh, people I really respected, guys that were very successful, one thing I, they all had in common that amazed me and blew my mind is none of them really knew where they, what they were going to be doing next with clarity. They had an idea, but they're all, they're all just trying to figure it out as they go. Right. So if mm -hmm. you meet somebody who's 10 years ahead of you on something and they're really good, like a real, like from in our industry, a really good speaker, yep. when you actually sit down with them and Hey, God, let me talk to you about success. You realize they're just figuring it out too. They only know mm -hmm. about 20 feet ahead of them, just like yep. we only know 20 feet ahead of them. So I think sometimes for me at 46, I'm, I'm beginning to realize I'm never going to know what's beyond 20 feet. Like, a, yep. like if I'm talking about driving a car in a, in a midnight, I can only see my headlights 20 feet ahead of me. Yep. And I'm always wanting that clarity that never shows up. Yep. The main thing is, is that I surround myself with good people. I move forward in faith and I'm realizing that I've just got to be prepared to be flexible and adjust as I go. But just knowing that the path that I think I'm going may be totally different a year from now. And that's okay as long as I keep moving with feedback and, and get that clarity as I go. Mm -hmm. So I've watched you on your journey. I mean, you and I've been chatting for the last few weeks and I know there were some frustrating moments for you and you're kind of figuring some things out and you're clarifying some things with the speaker yep. lab and clarifying yep. some other things and just watching you go down this journey has been, and uh, to me, it's been satisfying and motivational just to watch you do it because I think it's great to see other guys that mm -hmm. are good people like you struggle, but figure it out. 
yep. and be successful at the end of it. Cause that gives me inspiration that I can do it too. Mm-hmm. And I always operate from that perspective. I, and I told a couple of speaker lab um, members this week, I said, you can look at me, you can look at Eric and you can go, wow, those guys are really, you know, knocking it out of the ballpark. In reality, we're only about five steps ahead of you and we're just figuring it out. We're just figuring it out. And I think that's a really powerful space to bring this to as we close up is that just remember the guys ahead of you have just figured it out. They've just figured it out a little bit ahead of you at this point. That's all there is to it. So Mm. I'm curious though, before we do wrap this up, what are a couple of the biggest benefits that you have seen or things that have really made you glad that you did this, that have impacted your life over the last, you know, it hasn't even been a year yet, has it? No, May 26th. So what's the biggest benefits for you so far? Uh, my biggest benefit is, Rick, I get to live the way I want to live. You know, I had a mentor of mine when I was 28 years old, pull out a marble and he, he said, this marble represents your perfect day. He goes, what's your perfect day? I said, what do you mean? And he goes, the, the, your favorite day of the week. And I said, Saturday. <clears throat> and so he said, what if you uh, knew you were going to pass away at the age of 80? And he goes, and this marble represented that Saturday. How many Saturdays do you have left? <clears throat> and so I did the math and it was like 2,340 Saturdays. And he said, why do we prescribe to the fact that we live a life where we have a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday, or whatever? And what if you designed a life where you lived your perfect day, that Saturday, every single day, where you had six Saturdays and a Sunday? How many Saturdays would you have left? And I said, I did the math, and I had like 14,000 Saturdays left. And he goes, how motivated and fired up with you would you be if you lived a life like that? Mm-hmm. And he goes, now I'm going to give you permission to go out and design a life where you live that Saturday every single day. He planted that seed at 28 years old. And I started to go down that path, Rick. And at 46, I was able to realize that where my life literally is now six Saturdays and a Sunday. Mm -hmm. The bottom line, Rick, is I call the shots. I decide what I want to do, when I want to do it, who I work with. And it's a beautiful thing as a guy when you take that risk, but also benefit the reward to live the way you want to live. And that's the ultimate lifestyle of an entrepreneur like you and I is that we live the way we want to live. We choose the way we want to live. I love that. I do too. I love that I'm sitting here in my underwear and nobody knows that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, now everybody knows that, but you know, it's that thing. It's like that. I I never have to do, I mean, the things I don't have to do because I'm just doing my thing, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's part of the beauty. So, um, wow. We covered a lot of territory here, man. I really appreciate you being here. I love working Mm -hmm. with you and I love what you just shared because I know there's so many guys that are like, I just, I just want to go do this. Well, then just go do it, but put it in a strategy, trust it, know that you're just a few steps behind anybody else who's doing it and really, truly lean in, take the risk, find good people, step out on faith, be flexible and always get that feedback. So Mm -hmm. um, we will have all sorts of ways for you to connect with Eric um, through social media, his website, all that stuff will be on the website page and again man i just appreciate you taking time to share your story that was my honor rick thank you i appreciate you buddy that's a wrap for 40 plus real men real talk where size doesn't matter we drop our bullshit get over our screwed up fears make bold moves and live life without apologies don't forget to join us on facebook at 40 plus real men real talk where the conversations continue